Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Zaslow Show 2.0, presented from day one by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. You're dealing with any kind of accident, any personal injury, slip and fall, motorcycle, car accident, bike, Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. Title sponsors from day number one. No, before day number one of Zaslow Show 2.0. My guys, Mark Anajar, Glenn Levine, Ellie Anajar. They believe in me. If you're listening to the show right now and you're dealing with any kind of personal injury, I'm sending you to my friends, Anajar and Levine, Accident Attorneys. You don't have to deal with the insurance companies. You don't have to deal with the medical bills. You need to focus on getting right. That's where they come in. They handle all the stuff that you don't want to be bothered with. You need to make sure you're getting healthy, and they're going to make sure you're getting the money that you deserve. Anna John Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. Proud title sponsors of Zaslow Show 2.0. If you're a homeowner, you need to make sure you have the proper coverage. And that's why I'm sending you to Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance and Financial Services because we know that if there's, God forbid, an issue with our home, we need to know that we're covered properly. From Pensacola to the Keys and beyond, Brunt Insurance and Financial Services delivers comprehensive insurance and financial solutions tailored to your needs. Since 2013, Brunt Insurance specializes in home and auto insurance. Bruntinsurance.com. You could also check them out on social media at Brunt Insurance. Look, the market's confusing. Let Brunt Insurance sort it all out for you with their fully licensed staff and they know the area. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance to make sure that they're covered, and that's why I'm sending you to them as well. Bruntinsurance.com, 954-589-2204. Welcome aboard. This is Zaslow Show 2.0. Welcome, Zaslow Show 2.0. It is a Tuesday, the 26th of September. Good to have you aboard. We're part of the Believe Podcast Network, and everything Zaslow Show 2.0 is always presented by our title sponsor, Anna Jar and Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-3, 800-747-3733. You're involved in any kind of an accident, hit and run, slip and fall, motorcycle, car, I send you to Anna Jar and Levine. First you call 911, then you call Anna Jar and Levine accident attorneys. They're going to get you the money that you deserve and they're going to treat you like family the same way they did me. Before Zaslow Show 2.0, 
went on the air. Zaslow Show 2.0 is not possible without our friends at Anna Jar and Levine. Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE, 800-747-3733. It is Tuesday, which means we are through NFL Week 3 now. I apologize. Well, I don't know. I guess I don't apologize. It was Yom Kippur yesterday. I mean, us Jews, that's our Super Bowl, all right? Holiest day of the year, so we couldn't work yesterday, couldn't do the show, and that meant I wasn't able to give you the instant reaction from the Dolphins thrashing of the Broncos Sunday afternoon. You know, it's funny. My wife said to me on Sunday, are you working tomorrow? Are you doing your show? And I said, I don't think I should. She goes, you shouldn't. I said, yeah, it's a really bad look if I do the show. Now, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not religious, you know? We observe what we observe, but I remember one time, and this is like a dozen years ago, maybe more, where I worked on Yom Kippur, and my Jewish friends, family, they were not happy. Like, I was embarrassed, you know? I didn't, I didn't expect that kind of reaction. So ever since then, I don't work Yom Kippur, and, and so we didn't work yesterday. But it's funny, because my wife said on Sunday before the Dolphin Games, are, are you working tomorrow? I said, no, I don't think I should. She goes, you shouldn't. I go, okay, I'm not going to. I said, well, unless the Heat trade for Damian Lillard tonight, then I'll, then I'll do something. And I also said, unless Tua throws for like 10 touchdowns. I totally said that. Now, Tua didn't throw for 10 touchdowns, but the team scored 10 touchdowns. But I still couldn't, I still couldn't do the show, because the only way I would have been able to do it was, if I recorded it before sundown on Sunday night. And of course, there was time between the end of the Dolphin game, 4 p.m. or so, and 7.30, whatever sundown is. But the point is, then I'm putting that show out Sunday night. I still don't have a show for Monday. Like, it, it totally defeats the purpose. Although, I appreciate you guys out there who are thinking or listening and saying to yourself, no, but we would have liked a show on Sunday night. Yeah, but the point is, like, am I doing a show on Monday? And so the point is, no, I'm not doing a show on Monday. So I apologize for those of you guys. I kind of, apo- I, I don't really apologize. Because like I just said, Yom Kippur. But I, I did feel bad <coughs> that I didn't do a show yesterday after such an historic day for the Miami Dolphins. Football, come on, man. Football is back. Everybody knows that. Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, the spreads, the totals from all your NFL, all your college football action. It's at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds from the start of the season all the way through the college football playoff and the Super Bowl. BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the Bet Online website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action at Bet Online. Remember, use promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, BELIEVE, and you're going to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. So, up uh, now, we, we got Damian Lillard stuff to get to today. Yes, of course. Twitter Jam, what's it going to be on? I don't know. I don't want to spoil it for you guys. But it's Tuesday. We got Twitter Jam. We'll also update our Zaslow Show 2.0 Power Rankings. You know I love a good Power Ranking. That's coming up. So we got some fun stuff here. But first, we got to start with your favorite football team. 
your record-setting football team, your Miami Dolphins. Now, we're going to talk to Travis Wingfield, Dolphins.com, host of the Drive Time Podcast, and he's going to make us smarter. So Travis Wingfield will join us, and we're going to talk a lot of Dolphins with him coming up. But that, like, I didn't even have the words throughout the game to describe it. Tyreek Hill gets the touchdown on the third play of the game, and it's like, you're goddamn right. But still, no one thought that we were about to see, like, I didn't think the Dolphins were going to smoke them. I'm pretty sure I said last week that I think Dolphins were a six and a half point favorite. And I think I said this game's going to be a little bit closer than people think. I still like the Dolphins to cover, but I was thinking more along the lines of, all right, they're up by 15 for most of the game. I mean, the Broncos get a late touchdown because the Bronco offense was really good last week. Maybe they get a late touchdown. Dolphins win by eight. They cover final score. Doesn't look like a blowout. That's what I was expecting. I didn't think the Dolphins were going to annihilate them. That It was indescribable what we were watching. And look, we're two days removed right now. I'm not going to... I don't have any words that you haven't heard yet about that game. I'm not going to be able to describe my experience any different from you. You and I are the same. You saw the same shit I did, and your mind was blown the same way that mine was. I mean, just the whole game, I'm laughing, I'm cackling. I, it was so much fun. And the big story, <coughs> obviously, excuse me, the big story is what the Dolphins did overall. But then we got to a place late in the game where, all right, the Dolphins have 70. Are they going to go for the record? I mean, they've scored every time they had the ball except for one time they punted and one time they turned it over on downs. Which, by the way, so Mike McDaniel scores 21-10. to 10. It's late second quarter. Fourth and one from their own 34. And the Dolphins go for it. They, and actually, they got stuffed on third and one and they got stuffed again on fourth and one with Ingold. Do you like the Dolphins going for it there? My overall thought is, this is Mike McDaniel. He is very aggressive. This is his coaching style. This is philosophy. More times than not, it's probably going to work out. But that also means that sometimes it's not going to work out. So I think you have to take all of the good with a little bit of the bad, which is them getting stuffed on that fourth and one play. Now, I didn't like it in the moment because, okay, Broncos are also getting the ball in the third quarter. It's 21-10. You just allowed them to have a chance to get in this game. Nobody knew they were going to score 70. And matter of fact, the Dolphins scored two more touchdowns before the end of that quarter. But if they score there, all of a sudden it's 21-13 or 21-17. It's a one-score game. Broncos get the ball at the start of the third quarter. Like, that was annoying in the moment. But I think you have to take all of the good with a little bit of the bad. And that's Mike McDaniel's going to be going forward in that spot a lot. Now, I also think part of it had to do with It's not absolute where you look at the score sheet and it tells you when to go for two or when to go for fourth down. You have to take into account opponent. You have to take into account how your offense has been playing. You have to take into account time and situation. And I think in that time and situation against the Broncos, he goes for it. In that time and situation, maybe this weekend against Buffalo, I don't think he necessarily 
does the same thing. I don't think it's an absolute situation where, okay, we're always going to go for it here. I think you have to take into account a human element to it. Time and situation, your offense, their defense, overall the opponent, what's their offense like? I, I think against Denver last weekend, you do it. I think this weekend against Buffalo, it's not the same thing. So, I'm not upset with McDaniel going for it there, even knowing what we know. But back to the, the, the 70 points. Okay. I absolutely think it's the right decision or was the right decision by the Dolphins. Not going for it. The record at the end of the game. And here's why. You know the way the media is. You know the way social media is. You know the way fan bases are. I did like how Mike McDaniel said after the game something to the effect of karma. I believe in that sports karma bullshit. I do. I believe in it. And I think that's some bad juju right there if you kick that field goal for 73. I want to stay on the good side of the football karma. Clearly, Mike McDaniel does as well. So there's that right there. The other part of it is, we know how the media handles situations like this. If the Dolphins go for the record, and they get it, the narrative becomes the Dolphins are assholes, they're poor sports, they're poor winners, and they're disrespectful. When instead, all the talk should just be the Dolphins are amazing. Oh my God, they scored 70 points. Are they the best team in the NFL? They're going to kick the shit out of the Buffalo Bills. That's what the talk is now. If the Dolphins try and go for the record, then you get talked about how the Dolphins are disrespectful. You may not like it. Mike McDaniel absolutely did the right thing by kneeling on the ball on fourth down. I very strongly believe that. Now, here's also what I don't think you necessarily take into account. Can you imagine? Because we know Jason Sanders sucks. Okay, and, and, and look, give him credit. He made 10 extra points. He's really good inside 40. He made 10 extra points. Pretty good. So give him a little bit of credit. But what happens when the Dolphins go for the record and Jason Sanders, it would have been like a 45-yard field goal, and Jason Sanders inevitably misses. Then the Dolphins are disrespectful for kicking the field goal And it's embarrassing that they missed it. You know Sanders was going to miss that field goal. You know he was going to. And now I know there's a lot of people out there, what's the difference between 73 points and 70 points? What's the difference? Well, the difference is it's fourth down at the very end of the game. That's the difference. And if one of the running backs on first, second, or third down, they weren't passing the ball there anymore. If And he sat all of his starters at the beginning of the fourth quarter. But if one of the Dolphins on first, second, or third down, if Chris Brooks would have ran it into the end zone, would have broken it free, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But on fourth down, at that point, you have a decision to make. Do you go for it? Do you kick a field goal? Do you kneel on the ball? And when it's decision time, you kneel on it. There is a dip, like, you play until the end. And that was the end. And at the very end, when it's fourth down... You don't kick... Now, would you have wanted them to hand it off on fourth down so it's another chance to score a touchdown and get the record that way? I'd have been totally fine with that. 
totally, like, if they wanted to hand it off and run an actual play, a running play, not a passing play, you want to run a running play instead of kneeling it, okay, totally go with that. But bringing out the field goal unit, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. The conversation becomes how disrespectful the Dolphins are as opposed to, wow, the Dolphins are so fucking good. And that's what I'm here for, is that conversation, not the former. And you know what? Sean Payton, who talked so much shit, unprovoked and completely unnecessary about Nathaniel Hackett, this Bronco team is worse than they were last year with Hackett. They're 0-3. They're paying Payton like $20 million. And the other team just took mercy out on you. Down by 50. And you had the balls to talk about another coach that way? Sean Payton's a bum. I hope, I hope this season continues to go downhill for him. I hope he continues to be embarrassed. It was so unnecessary, those shots. Now, it's not like Nathaniel Hackett's lighted up there as the offense court in New York. But what are you going to do with Zach Wilson? I mean, he's been dealt a really bad hand. Sean Payton, you talk the way that you did about another coach, and your team is 0-3. Your quarterback still isn't very good. And you just lost by 50? Oh, you're a bum. You're a bum. I'm glad this happened to Sean Payton. And by the way, talking about coaches, Brian Flores? Brian Flores didn't think Tua could play. Didn't think he could play. And he could sue the NFL. He could sue other teams. He could talk about racism. The reason Brian Flores will never be a head coach again is because he thought Tua couldn't play. If Tua stays healthy, he wins MVP this year. He's going to be the MVP of the league. Has a coach ever thought a quarterback can't play? And that quarterback then won MVP? I'm not talking about you thought he couldn't play and he ended up being a good player. I'm talking about you thought he couldn't play and he won MVP. Because that's what we're headed toward. Brian Flores didn't think Tua can play. That's why he'll never be a head coach again. It's inexcusable. And if you want to, like, let's look at the, let's look at the big picture here. Let's look at the macro picture here. The Dolphins. I, I can't believe, like, I, I, I got to ask Travis Wingfield, Dolphins.com, we're going to get to him in a few minutes here to explain it to me. This offensive line is awesome. And you got Teron Armstead back in the lineup, great. But between this offensive line, the speed that they have on offense at wide receiver and at running back, the accuracy of the quarterback, the elite play calling, this offense is unstoppable. If you have a great offensive line and the fastest players on the field and a quarterback who makes the best decisions and is accurate, your offense is unstoppable. And that's what we're looking at right now with this team. They are unstoppable. And so if we're talking about bigger picture, here's the big picture, right? Like, I want to I look at this in a micro sense. Yeah, like, the team is awesome. There's so much fun. But I want to look at it from a macro perspective. The Dolphins have an elite coach 
That's for sure now. And I talked about this last year because there were some people who didn't think McDaniel was great. Maybe there, was, there were some decisions toward the end of the year you didn't love. Okay. I never understand why a coach needs to be a finished product in his first year. A quarterback's not a finished product his first year. Look at Tua his first year. Look at Tua year number four. Why does McDaniel have to be a finished product in year number one? The Dolphins clearly have an elite coach. They have a good GM. Look, I got to put my hand up. I was wrong about Chris Greer. They have an elite coach. They have a good general manager. They have an elite quarterback. From a macro perspective, they're going to be really good for a really, really long time. Between the coach and the quarterback and good front office decisions, the Dolphins are going to be really good for a really long time. And yes, like there's very real optimism that this team can compete for a Super Bowl this year, but the reality is there should be optimism that they're going to compete for Super Bowls for years and years and years. So yeah, like it would suck if they 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 win 11, 12 games this year. They're the number one seed in the AFC. They're the only undefeated team in the AFC right now. And they don't make it to the Super Bowl. But we're going to be able to rest assured that as long as they have this coach and this quarterback, they're going to be a Super Bowl contender every year. And so from a macro perspective, they've been a nothing team for decades. And now we finally get this. And like it's over the top too. 70 point. it is over the top. Sunday was crazy. But big picture, you know, small picture, we want to win the Super Bowl this year. Big picture, they're set up to be really good for a really long time. Oh, it's so great. So, so that's, that's my biggest takeaway. Yes, this team is really fun right now. And holy shit, Sunday against Buffalo is such a monster game. And we'll get more to we'll get more to Dolphins versus Bill stuff tomorrow. But big picture wise, yeah, like that's the part that's really exciting to me. You know what else is exciting? When you're thinking about getting a new car. If you know where to go, that's so exciting. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. If you're in the market for a new ride, that's where I send you. The only car dealership that I personally endorse, North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. You're talking about walking through their showroom doors. You're immediately greeted by a friendly member of their sales team. They're going to say, what are you looking for? They're going to navigate you in the right direction. They have the widest inventory of newest Subaru models on the market. That includes the Outback, the Crosstrek, the Forester. You could be looking for a spacious Subaru SUV for the entire family. Maybe just a reliable Subaru sedan for yourself is what you're looking for. At North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, they have the perfect model for you. And at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, we're talking South Florida's newest and technologically advanced Subaru dealer. Shop over a thousand vehicles right now from the comfort of your own home. All you got to do is go to nflsubaru.com. Very easy to remember. nflsubaru.com. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, conveniently located on North Andrews Avenue, just north of Cypress Creek Road, the building you know, and the place to go, North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. So... Last night, you had Monday Night Football. Bengals beat the Rams. That was a shit game. Bengals beat the Rams 19-16. Eagles beat the Bucks 25-11. Also a shit game. 
I love the doubleheader Monday Night Football. I don't know when we're getting it next. It's been two weeks in a row. But week three, officially in the books. So, what does that mean? That means, yep. Zaslow Show 2.0, week four, power rankings. That's right. Here we go. Top five. That's what we do every single week. And we count it backwards from five to one. We do that for dramatic purposes. Number five, making their debut in the Zaslow Show 2.0 power rankings, the Kansas City Chiefs. They come off a 31-7 win against Chicago. They beat the shit out of them. Taylor Swift, you got the whole thing going on. Look, can we be honest for a second? The Taylor Swift coverage, it was it's too much. It was too much. I understand she's a massive star. Maybe you get some extra eyeballs by talking about her. But it was way too much. 99% of your fan base does not care about Taylor Swift. You can't devote the coverage you did for just 1%. You can't do it. It was so stupid. And by the way, look, Taylor Swift, I got nothing against Taylor Swift. The touchdown Travis Kelsey scored, I think it put them ahead 31-7 or whatever blowout score it was. You would have thought they just took the lead in the Super Bowl. Her reaction was way too over the top. It's like she had no idea what the score was. She didn't know what was happening in the game. She just knew that Travis Kelsey did something good, and the reaction was so over the top. It was, it was a little too much with the Taylor Swift stuff. And I like Taylor Swift. It was a little too much. Kansas City, number five. Number four, Zaslow Show 2.0 Week 4 Power Rankings. They've dropped down a spot. No, no, I'm sorry. They make their debut also in the top five. The Buffalo Bills. They had a big win at Washington. Washington was undefeated. I thought that was a good win. They kicked the crap out of them, right? Maybe that score actually was 31 to 7. I forget what the Kansas City score was. But Buffalo making their debut in the Zaslow Show 2.0 power rankings. They come in at number four. Number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles jump up a spot this week after last night's win at Tampa Bay. A dominant performance on both sides of the ball. A road win, Monday Night Football. You got to give it up for the NFC champions. Philadelphia, number three. Now is the moment you've all been waiting for, right? Now is when it gets interesting. Number two, Zaslow Show 2.0 Power Rankings. Staying in the number two spot, the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins remain at number two, which means San Francisco remains at number one with their Thursday night football 30-12 win against the New York Giants. Here's why. Hear me out, Dolphin fans. I know you're very upset now that I didn't have the Dolphins number one in Zaslow Show 2.0 Power Rings. Hear me out. So, number one, there's a couple reasons. San Francisco, they haven't done anything. They've been number one, and they haven't done anything to lose the spot. That plays a role in my power rankings as well. Did they do anything to get knocked off themselves? No. 30-12 win against the Giants. I mean, they crushed them. They've scored 30 in all three games. So there's that perspective. And the second perspective, which is more important for me, I don't want to jinx the Dolphins this weekend. This is a massive, massive early season game in Buffalo. Now, I will tell you, If the Dolphins go into Buffalo this weekend, I don't care what San Francisco does. 
If the Dolphins go into Buffalo this weekend and they beat the Bills, the Dolphins are getting that top spot. So part of me is I don't want to jinx it by putting the Dolphins in that top spot and then they go to Buffalo, a monster game, and lose. I want the Dolphins to go into Buffalo this weekend, win that game, and take that top spot from San Francisco. So number five, Kansas City. Number four, Buffalo. Number three, Philadelphia. Number two, Miami. And number one, still in the Zaslow Show 2.0 power rankings, the San Francisco 49ers. All guests on Zaslow Show 2.0 brought to us by the official beer of the program. You know we're talking about Johnny Cuba. European roots with that Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can. You can pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba for yourself at your local Sedanos, Presidente, Winn-Dixie. You know that's the drink of choice in the Zaslow Mansion, official beer of the program. Make sure you always drink responsibly. And, of course, don't forget Johnny Cuba's mantra, stay tranquilo. Joining us here is our pal, Dolphins.com, Drive Time Podcast. Makes us smarter every time he joins the show. Travis Winkfield, of course, he has the pre and the halftime and the post game on iHeartRadio for all the Dolphins broadcasts. And I would imagine your post game show this past Sunday afternoon was a post game unlike any other. Travis, good morning. Zaslow, good morning, man. I want to hear what how you covered the game because, like you mentioned, we we have so many avenues we do this through. And I, I just couldn't possibly be comprehensive enough, it felt like. I always felt like I was coming up short of doing the game justice. Right. Did you feel that way too? Yeah, it's it's funny because I'll get text messages throughout the game and I you have a hard time putting the words together where I was just texting, you know, one word responses, unstoppable or <laughs> unbelievable or I, like just, it, it really was hard to put into words what was going on. We've never seen anything like it. And yeah, like, like to me, there's a bigger picture involved in what we saw on Sunday. And yes, there is the there is the micro, which is okay, the team is really good. And yeah, like they're totally a Super Bowl contender. But I'm also looking at it from a macro, which is they definitely have a coach, they definitely have a quarterback, and they got a really good front office and so when we're talking those three things that are together it means that okay like will it suck if the Dolphins lose in the divisional round this year yeah in the moment it'll suck but the bigger picture is there's no reason to believe that this is not going to be a really good team for many many years now and that's how I choose to look at it I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. I've been talking about the the way this rebuild had been constructed going back to 2019 and, you know, a little bit of a hiccup in the head coaching department of it, but you wind up bringing in Mike McDaniel, who just finds a way to make all these pieces flourish in the best way possible. And then this year you come back and you add to it with all the weapons they have in the ground game. The offensive line looks fantastic. You've rounded out your receiving core with, you know, critical role players who kind of fulfill different aspects of what this offense requires. But you hit the nail on the head there, Zaslow. I mean, the the head coach quarterback, GM combination that Miami is looking at right now. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, put the cart before the horse and start talking about championships and playoff success. But if you do look at the, you know, elites in either conference, what's the common thread across all those football teams? They love their GM. They love their head coach. They love their quarterback. And for Miami through the first three games, 
The head coach is awesome. He's the talk of the league. The quarterback is first in every damn category you can possibly imagine. And the GM has assembled a roster who I think you can say goes up against anybody in the NFL, even the Eagles who were, you know, dominant on their role to the Super Bowl last year. So it's it's a good place to be. And I, I just love that you mentioned that because so often I think fan bases or, you know, people associated with the team can get sucked into the trap of this is the year that certain things have to happen. Well, I mean, playoffs and, and, you know, deep postseason runs, it's sometimes there's some luck involved in that. You can get bounced in a way that either, you know, you run into a Patrick Mahomes who has a 450 yard day, like things happen in this league where you don't always like, you know, getting to the final mountaintop is tough. And so for this Dolphins team, I think Steven Ross mentioned it when they first began this entire process was they want to sustain success and the way the Dolphins are constructed right now, it looks pretty good going forward. Yeah. Now, no team in the NFL is 50 points better than another team. A lot of like really bad and or really good things need to happen over the course of the game for that to happen. The Dolphins are not 50 points better than the Broncos. So was it more about the Broncos? Like, what's the balance between the Broncos were terrible on Sunday and the Dolphins were amazing on Sunday? I think it was the perfect combination of both. I mean, the Dolphins are, are just rolling right now at a level that I don't think we've seen in a long time. And, you know, obviously, like you said, 70 points is is so crazy. But, I mean, they were, you know, t- taking the ball up and down the field against both L.A. and New England. And I think that if you look at the Dolphins' offensive production right now, it's crazy to say, but there's still some meat left on the bone. A couple of missed field goals, a turnover down in the low red zone in week number one, um, some some field goals you kick down in low red zone as well. So they finally kind of found the, the magic formula for finding touchdowns in those low red zone situations. But I think there was a point in that game and I'm not sure exactly when it was, but it, it definitely occurred, you know, pretty early in the second half, if not before that, where guys just didn't seem that interested in, you know, tackling and taking on blocks and getting off blocks. Like the Raheem Mostert catch and run for a touchdown. I think it was sometime middle of the third quarter where he, you know, tight rope at the sideline yeah. and made a guy miss. The pursuit to the football on that play, that's going to be something Vance Joseph is really harping on this week in meetings because it was just non-existent. And that was pretty frequently the case. And I think it was pretty much like once the Dolphins got off like that three or four score lead, it was, that's kind of when it started to begin. So uh, it, it was an instance where Miami, you know, came out and put the, their foot on the gas pedal and credit to them for continuing to do that. But I think at a certain point they broke the Broncos will in that game. I want to talk about the offensive line here. I'm pretty comfortable now saying the offensive line has been awesome through three games, which we haven't said in 20 plus years down here. So I want you to give me a couple things here. Number one, tell me something about the offensive line that I don't know that I haven't seen in these three games. And also, as as great as they've been all three games, this was the first game with Teron Armstead. So how much better were they with Armstead in the lineup this weekend? I think it was easy to forget because of how good Kendall Lamb was in his spot. And, you know, I keep looking back. We go back to the Chris Greer comment, like Kendall Lamb and Isaiah Wim have played five football games for the Dolphins and they've all been really good tapes. Like those two guys alone in terms of what the Dolphins paid to get them. And, you know, this league that is so devoid of deep, good offensive lines across the national football league to get hits on guys like that a year after you had hits on big time spending sprees and free agency with Teron Armstead and, and Connor Williams, that's a huge boon. And then you go back to the 2020 draft class and there's Rob Hunt, who for my money right now, if he's not the best right guard in football, he's in the conversation for the best right guard, the way he gets to the second level and wipes dudes out. But if you said you, you said you wanted to know something that maybe you don't know already, I have to go to the right tackle position in Austin Jackson because I kind of 
theorized this this summer, watching him in training camp and in the preseason, and even going back to a couple of years ago when he played left guard, I was always impressed by his ability to make waves in the running game at either position that he played, tackle or guard. And, you know, coming into the year, it's like, well, Kendall Lamb looks pretty good too. Maybe he's the right tackle. But the Dolphins were steadfast that Austin Jackson had that job to lose. And I kind of theorized that maybe it's because of how much he gives you in the running game and then how Tua can kind of mitigate some of the pressure in the passing game. Because I think coming into the year, you would argue that Lamb was a step ahead in pass pro, Jackson a step ahead in run blocking. But the way that Jackson creates extra lanes off the perimeter for the way this offense wants to run that wide zone scheme and get these running backs with all that speed on the edge and how that impacts the second level of the defense against both the run, but more importantly, the pass and how they have to react to both those elements. I think Austin can, excuse me, kind of extend your gaps out wide. And then to put it all together, like he's taking big strides in pass pro too. So not only do you get this benefit in the running game, now you have a right tackle who one-on-one has been fantastic in pass pro. His growth has been, it's almost like the poster child of like why you don't give up on talent. Cause last year, the injuries, you know, took away pretty much his whole season always was a very athletic, smart, analytical kid. And now he's putting things together and looks damn good at right tackle for Miami. Travis was to a touched on Sunday. <laughs> I think there was one quarterback hit. I think there was one quarterback hit and two pressures per pro football focus. Like, it's a combination of play calling, offensive line, and then Tua is just, I mean, he's a damn magician. Austin said it himself at his press conference yesterday. Like, like I know, like, Tua's definitely getting the ball out, but there are plays where he is sitting back there and and seeing what's going on and, and looking at several different reads, and his pocket awareness mm-hmm. is just so much better than it was even maybe the beginning of last year where he is getting the ball out well before anyone can even touch him. Yeah. You got to credit too for the way he's, he's put the work in, you know, McDaniel always talks about the relentless passion that he has for in growing and improving his game. He said he's the most coachable and the best learner he's ever been around in terms of players. And I think you saw that take part this off season. It wasn't just about the jujitsu and the rolling and trying to protect yourself, which by the way, when you watch him, when there is pressure, it's not just when he gets hit and the way he rolls out of those hits. Like he is fleet of foot, man, the way he's springing off the spot and making sure he protects himself from taking any, you know, even the slightest of of hits after the fact that he throws the football Um, that paired with the fact that I think he's a little bit quicker off the spot. Like you mentioned, he's always kind of had that really good internal clock in terms of eyes in the back of his head, you know, move around the pocket. I thought week one was the best off script game he's played in his entire career. And Sasla, when you pair that with what he's doing between the ears, pre-snap, post-snap, the way he's moving guys, those subtle pumps that he does and the ball fakes, like I think that Tua doesn't get enough appreciation for the the finer details that he executes, which, you know, go back and watch Peyton Manning talk about practice and how he would work on handoffs because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And the way you sell these handoffs can help you in the play action game. I think the greats really harp on these fine details. And that's why, you know, Dan Orlovsky, JT O'Sullivan, all these quarterback gurus, they love him because they see that fine detail appreciation that he has. And you pair that with now these physical traits that are getting better and better at age 25. I don't know how you can't be thrilled as a Dolphins fan. He's just so easy to root for also. 100%. I mean, every time he talks, when you see him on the sidelines that entire fourth quarter cheering on his teammates, uh, I, you know, like when the Brady conversations were going on a couple years ago, for me it was always, ah, I want to win with our guy. You know, like, agree. would it be nice to have won a Super Bowl, like for it to have been us renting Tom Brady instead of the Buccaneers and they win a Super Bowl? Obviously, that would have been amazing, but 
for me, it, it, I also I also want to win a certain way. It, and that's how I feel about all my teams, you know? Like the Miami Heat, too. Would, would I trade Bam Adebayo for, for Kevin Durant? Like, no, because I, I want to win with Bam. I want to win a certain way. And it's the same thing here where I, I want to win with our guys. And winning with Tua is so much better than winning with Tom Brady or whoever else it is, you know? Do you do people that you speak to have that same mindset? Because I couldn't agree more. I've always felt that same way. Uh, even, you know, like if it was an Aaron Rodgers situation, whoever it might have been, like it always – I even asked Broncos fans back when they got Peyton Manning, does it feel different because like you kind of imported this guy that like just, all right, now you're good because you have Peyton Manning – like going through the entire draft process that year, figuring out that Tua was going to come out of school, watching him at his pro day, and like, oh, the hip looks pretty good. We can probably draft him at the fifth pick. And he's on the board, and you hear his name called, and you celebrate, and all the fans post their videos of reacting. Like it's the culmination of like that, and you almost feel like it's almost like a band, Zaslow, right? Like you have a band that you love. They have a great record out that no one really knows about, and then they put that second record out, and they they hit the national scene, and all of a sudden your band becomes everybody's band. Like. No, we're the diehards back with that first record, and I can see why there's more fulfillment when you are there at step one. Yeah, I want to win with my guys. Like, the way that you win is is meaningful to me, not just, hey, let's hire a bunch of mercenaries and let's win. Like, that that stuff's important to me. Uh, what did you make of McDaniel in the second quarter, late the second quarter, going for it, fourth and one on their own 34? What What did you think in the moment when they're lining up to go for it? I'm always go for it, especially when your offense is as good as this one is. I do think that they need to figure out what their best plan of attack is in those third and fourth and one situations because, you know, they tried two different things there. Uh, the tush push, as it's being called right now, which they couldn't execute with Alec Ingold on our center and then the fullback dive. I almost wonder if you just go back to the drawing board and say, like, hey, we are pretty good in our traditional running game. Let's just go back to that or even, you know, to uh, throwing <laughs> to whoever the hell he wants to because he's been so damn good with the football this year but i'm always team go for it you mentioned the post game show seth is as as conservative as can be he's old school kick the ball away a drive that ends and kicks is a good thing and oj's a little bit in between those things but i'm always like go for it go for it i want to see this team go because i believe this offense like i always the way i the way i view fourth down situations is put yourself in the defense's shoes if you're on defense and the other team is going for it how would you feel about it and i think that most teams or 31 teams would say the dolphins offense is on the field for fourth and one all right we have to stay on the field because they're going to convert this so i'm always team go for it no matter where you are would you feel the same way if it were a better team that we we're playing against like for instance if it's the exact same scenario this weekend against buffalo i would just because i think offense is the league's more tailored for offense. So I think that good offenses beat good defenses these days. What was your opinion uh, and and your guy, your pal's opinion on the post-game show as well about not going for the 73 points? I, I liked I liked McDaniel's explanation of it. I thought that, you know, the idea of what we didn't come into this game trying to chase points and the idea of, you know, lining up for a field goal in a situation where, like someone could get hurt. I, I know that's a, a that's you know a low percentage, but just continuing to play a game when you don't have to anymore, I think is I, I think it was the right decision. I was very surprised that the Broncos came out and ran a snap after that. That was kind of like, hey, what, what? I shake your hand, you shake my hand, right? But um, I, I I agree with it. 
Um, I know the fans didn't necessarily feel that way at, during during the game, but uh, we in the post game we were pretty much in lockstep that you know get out of here, respect the game, respect your your op- opposition. The crowd was booing. I, that was tough. Come at on, the guys. end of a game, Come you're on. up by fifty <laughs> points, and the crowd was booing. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't like the booing. I, uh, I I wanted them to go for it in the spot, but with full acknowledgement that he absolutely made the right call. They did the right thing by not going for it in that spot. Because for me, if you go for it there, the conversation becomes, are the Dolphins assholes and disrespectful? Instead of the conversation being, the Dolphins just kicked the living shit out of the Broncos. And it's just, it's not worth it. Like like the way that McDaniel went about it was absolutely the right way. I watched the broadcast again because, you know, when I go to the games, you, I don't get a chance to rewatch the actual broadcast. And whenever Kevin Harlan's on the call, I have to go back and hear my guy call 10 Dolphins touchdowns. But I they showed the sideline shots of, of Coach, and he seemed like he was in some anguish over it. Like, you, I, you can see the wheels turning like, God, I, well, I kind of want this. He but... knows his guys want him to go for it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a tough spot. Uh, but I absolutely think that they, they made the right call there. This weekend – This is a monster game, and it it has a similar tone to it as last year at this time. They played very early in the year. The Dolphins won that game. Allen skipped the ball into the end zone on fourth down, and the Dolphins came away with the win. But, Travis, this Dolphin team feels a lot better than that Dolphin team at that time. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. The balance they have, the ability to, to you know, kind of attack what defenses are vulnerable with. I'm just curious to see how defenses are going to play this Dolphins offense going forward because they've shown you if you want to come up and bump and run and play that two-man coverage the Chargers did, we can go for, you know, 400-plus through the air. If you want to play six-man boxes, we can give Raheem Mostert and Devon A. H hand the football and hit a bunch of explosives in the running game. So uh, but for the Buffalo Bills, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see you know, last year, I don't believe they had either safety in the game. I think Trey White was down in that game as well in the week three contest. So you're going to get Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White back in the lineup. Matt Milano is a guy that always seems to give us fits, whether it's, you know, playing the curl hook zones or coming down and defending the running game. Um, it's a great matchup, man. I, I, I think I'm inclined to think it goes more towards the way of a shootout, like, you know, both teams scoring in the 30s, because I just think that both these offenses are in that realm of where you just can't hold them down for 60 minutes in a football game. But I'm I'm curious just to hear takes across, you know, people that like yourself that do this. Like, what do you think of, of Vic Fangio's first time going up against Josh Allen? Because that's kind of, I think, his chance this week to kind of put his stamp on this team and be like, hey, yeah. the defense is for real, too. Yeah. And, and I really think, you know, like I said earlier here today, I, I think. I think this is a a real put everyone on notice type of game. Like, like I know everybody saw the Dolphins scored 70. I get it. But you go into Buffalo and you win that game and then you're 4-0. You're already the only team in the AFC left that doesn't have a loss yet. I really feel like this weekend is a very for real put everyone on notice type of game. And just think about from the standings perspective, too. I mean, the three wins you have are all in conference. That's a big deal. You already have a a division road win, which is a big deal because that's how tiebreakers get decided. You could hang a second divisional loss on the Buffalo Bills. You could put yourself in a situation where they have to come here and beat you to avoid a sweep in week 18. On top of the fact that you would have a two-game lead with the half-game tiebreaker lead. I mean, it's a monster. Yeah, and then you have two home games against the Giants and Panthers after that. So you could put yeah. yourself in a position where you're going into, you know, I'm looking at the schedule, into Halloween, like 
with a two or three game lead over your division rival, it'd be a pretty, pretty big deal. Travis, tell everybody how they can hear you throughout the week leading up to Sunday's game. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. This is always fun to do. Uh, the Drive Time podcast, we do it five days a week. I believe to, uh, tomorrow's podcast will be the Dolphins and Bills game preview. Don't miss that. We'll have Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills in the podcast this week, as well as Trace, Tracy Wolfson from the C- uh, CBS broadcast. Gee, spit it out, Travis. And then obviously the post-game show on uh, iHeart on 105.9 FM, yep. I believe it is. Thank you, Zaslow. And then 610 WIOD uh, for the post-game show with me, Seth, and OJ McDuffie. And then, of course, MiamiDolphins.com, Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. I'm everywhere. Great job, Travis. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. This weekend's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Thank you, man. You're the best. All right, guys. Let me take a moment here and tell you about the only insurance agency you ever hear me promote here on Zaslow Show 2.0, one of our great sponsors, one of our OG sponsors, the only insurance agency I get my homeowner's insurance from. You know I'm talking about Brunt Insurance. Brunt Insurance and Financial Services, 954-589-2204. You go to bruntinsurance.com. If you want the most comprehensive coverage on your homeowner's insurance and you want it at the best price out there, I mean, is that something I could interest you in? Brunt Insurance. They have locations all throughout the state of Florida. So no matter where you're calling from in Florida, from Pensacola all the way down to the Keys and beyond, Greg Brunt and his staff at Brunt Insurance, they have the expertise and the experience to find the perfect coverage for you. They know your area because, like I said, they have offices all throughout the state. So when you call 954 959-2204. You know you're making the right call. They're finding the perfect coverage for you. And even if, hey, if you don't have a single family home, they have comprehensive policies that involve trailers, motorhomes. Now, I get my homeowner's insurance from Brunt Insurance, but you need automobile insurance, motorcycle, boater's insurance. If you're looking for affordable care that offers the best coverage, Brunt Insurance. 954-589-2204. Bruntinsurance.com. Their agents specialize in finding the perfect policy and educating you on all of your options so you know the ins and outs of your policy of choice. Bruntinsurance.com, 954-589-2204. Guys, it is Tuesday. Let's get to some Twitter Jam. That's right, Twitter Jam today is based off of what, hey, this This is what we're all checking, right? You got the rumors out there. You got all the tweets. You got all the talk. You got all the bullshit out there. That's right. We're talking about Damian Lillard chatter all over Twitter. All right, let's get things started here. So first up, this tweet is from NBA on ESPN. And they tweet out, there's an expectation that Dame Lillard will be out of Portland by media day. NBA GMs have told... Mark Spears. I also hear that it's from those same GMs that they don't expect Dame to end up being in Portland on media day on Monday. They think he'll be gone. You're saying that you're hearing that GMs do not expect in seven days. We're not talking about media day sometime in the nebulous future. In seven days, Damien Lillard is not necessarily Mm. expected to still be in Portland. I do agree that Lillard is traded before media day in Portland, which apparently is October 2nd. But also, Mark Spears said that this this mystery team, this team that is gaining some traction is the Toronto Raptors. I do not believe that he winds up in Toronto. We'll get to that coming up. But let's continue on here with Twitter Jam. How, oh, okay, this guy is called Patrick Fenelon. I don't know that fool, all right? He, he's, he's an NBA writer, I suppose. And he tweets out, 
Miami local media sold the idea of Dame coming to the Heat the way that Seattle local media sold the idea of the Kings relocating there about a decade ago. Both sold a story of inevitability, and both did so aggressively and dickishly. Yeah, so a team, a franchise, relocating to another city, that's the same thing as a player who is requesting a trade to said city. All right, yeah, dickhead. Well, Ken Lavica, ESPN 106.3 West Palm, he's our pal. He responds with, Portland fans trying to cope with the fact their organization is a feckless, feckless a good word, feckless tire fire by soothing themselves with, I'm glad Dame is getting screwed because Miami media is mean, is top five pathetic. That's right, that's true. That's an excellent job out of you, Ken Levicka. All right, Josh Lewenberg, we like him. He's been a guest on Zaslow's show before. He covers the Toronto Raptors out TSN Sports up in Toronto. And this story, he, he writes out a story here, and the tweet includes, as multiple sources confirm to TSN, the Raptors' interest is real, albeit a bit overstated at this point. This sudden uptick of teams reportedly registering interest could simply be the result of Portland trying to take some leverage back, as one source suggested. Yeah, well, I'm going to give you my thoughts on that. I think there is a lot of truth to that. This next tweet here, all right, this is from Sam Viceni. He covers the NBA for The Athletic, all right, and he's responding here to a report from Mark Spears, where Mark Spears said the Heat offered a trade package that included sharpshooter Tyler Hero and two first-round picks. Well, Sam Viceni responds to that with, have seen people in my mentions say Hero and two picks isn't enough. Yeah, of course it isn't enough. That also wasn't the report. The report was the offer included Hero and two firsts. Hero for Dame isn't even legal on its own, so it literally had to have other stuff. That's an excellent point out there. You got the Portland people who want to pick and choose at that there and say, Miami's delusional. No, the deal included Hero and two first-round picks. Those are the highlights of the deal. All right. Henry Abbott, he does the True Podcast, and he put out a tweet. uh, On today's podcast, Coach Thorpe continues with burning questions ahead of training camp, and here is Coach Thorpe on the True Who Podcast on Tyler Hero being severely undervalued. Uh, Let's just finish with Damon this way. Um, I I think Tyler Hero is getting a bad rap. Uh, If Portland can get Tyler Hero, if they can get Cody Martin, great. If they can get Tyler and whatever, some picks uh, for for Damian and that contract, uh, they're getting a potential all-star who's like 23 years old, Mm -hmm. who's been in two finals, although he didn't play in last year's one with Mm -hmm. his injury. So one game. Uh, He's a a good player. And and uh, he's he's used to not being the team's best player. Jimmy Butler's had that. Bam, that he's probably been the third best player. Um, so you, he's not going to have a problem with uh, with Shaden. Not not as sharp as any right, good right, right now. Right. And Scoop, he's not any right. good right now. Uh, Anthony Simons is pretty good. Mm-hmm. He, he's not the perfect fit next to any of those guys. Although Scoop does have defensive potential. Uh, so he he and Hero will be better than probably Simons. I mean, there Hero. really is a part of me. I obviously I hope that he can keep Tyler Hero. And any potential Lillard deal, 
he's going to be amazing next year. I mean, you want to talk about a guy with a chip on his shoulder? I love him anyway. He's going to be so good next year. Portland doesn't deserve him. All right. Finally, this tweet here is from Danny Morang. Now, he's been on Zaslow Show 2.0 before. <laughs> he's a host on Portland's 1080 The Fan. He also does the Jacked Ramsey's podcast. And Miami fans hate him because he's been like, Right out in front of all the Lillard stuff. He, you know, Miami media doesn't know anything. But he, the Heat, terrible offer, terrible players, blah, blah, blah. Danny Morang tweets out, Look, if Hero netted Portland a real return for a front court player, the deal would be done, in my opinion. Regardless of all the extra stuff, in the end, it's business. The business just doesn't line up for Portland. You can disagree with that, but that's clearly their stance. And that right there is another addition of Twitter Jam. I'm telling you, I can't... Part of the... Look, the main reason I want the Heat to get a Lillard deal done is because, yeah, I want the Heat to win an NBA championship. I want them to get Lillard. I want Bam and Jimmy to win. And if Lillard helps, awesome. I want the Heat to win another championship. That's the main reason. Everybody knows that. But the secondary reason is so these Portland media guys, oh my God, they're going to be so pissed when the Heat trade... For Damian Lillard. Watching them backtrack. Watching them backpedal. Although, they're going to be able to spin it so easy. Where it's like, oh, I told you Joe Crone and he sucks. He sucks balls. Like, they're going to so easily be able to spin it that way. These guys are going to be so mad when inevitably the Heat do get Damian Lillard. And yes, I 100% still believe the Heat are landing Damian Lillard. I absolutely believe they are still getting him. I think it's going to happen before media day. I am as confident right now as I have been that the Heat are going to get Damian Lillard. How about that? And I can't wait for the reaction from the Portland people. Now, let's do a little bit here on Lillard and what's going on. <laughs> so, I absolutely believe the Heat are landing Lillard. I think there is a I think there's a reason why the Heat's initial offer was finally leaked. They didn't make a, make a new offer. The Heat made this offer like two months ago. And it included, important to note, included Tyler Hero and two first-round picks. Now, how does that get out? Besides the fact that we know the Heat don't leak anything, who does that, this is what we always have to say, right? Who does the information that has been leaked benefit? It doesn't benefit the Heat that that's out there. It benefits Portland that that's out there. It benefits Portland for a couple of reasons that that offer is out there. What are those reasons? Number one, it allows other teams out there to see where, hey, if you want to get in on Damian Lillard, that's the offer that you have to beat. That lets everybody know. Reason number two, and most importantly, all right, now everyone out there sees what this supposed initial offer included from Miami. So when the Blazers eventually do come back to the Heat asking for the trade, they get to ask for a little bit more because they're holding up these other offers out there saying, hey, Miami, you didn't want to bid against yourself. Okay, we understand. Well, look, there's other offers out there. Whether you believe they're legit offers or not or if it's just posturing, hey, look, we we found some other offers here. 
what else can you give us so that we can trade Damian Lillard to you? That's where he wants to go. We want everyone to be happy. What more can you give us because your initial offer is not enough compared to now what other teams are supposedly offering us? And with that offer leaked out there now, when the Heat do offer more and the Blazers accept inevitably, they get to hold it up and say, look what we did. We were able to get more out of Pat Riley. We were able to get additional assets or what have you out of the heat. I did a good job. I'm Joe Cronin. That's what's going to wind up happening here. That's the way this thing goes. So I absolutely believe the Heat are still getting Damian Lillard. Cronin comes back to Miami, gets more than that of initial offer. That's why the offer leaked. Now, that's, that's the timing of it. And now he looks like he was able to extract more from Riley. The Heat were never going to bid against themselves. So you need to get this chatter going that's been out there for the last few days. The Blazers went out. They're attempting to get some leverage over the Heat. The Heat are not going to bid against themselves. Same thing happened with Anthony Davis years ago with the Lakers. Davis wanted to go to the Lakers, and David Griffin held on to it. It's like, yeah, we're not just negotiating with the Lakers. And then you had some other offers that came out there a couple months later, and he was able to get a really good deal out of the Lakers. Draft picks, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Bell. Paul, boom. You got to get chatter going with other teams. You got to get other offers, whether they're real or they're fake. So the Blazers... They go out there attempting to get some leverage over the Heat, which is what they're doing right now by talking, whether it's real or not, with other teams. And then the Blazers are going to go back to Miami, show the Heat what they've accomplished, show them they need to offer a little bit more. The Heat then do offer a little bit more, and everyone walks away happy. The end. Damian Lillard now plays for the Miami Heat. That's how it's going to go down. That's what's going to end up happening. Now, as far as Toronto goes, I don't see it happening. Can Toronto get in the mix and they become that third deal? And then maybe Toronto takes on Tyler Hero and sends a first-round pick to the Blazers? Yeah, I can see that happening. But as far as Toronto acquiring Lillard, hey... They did it with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard wanted to go to Los Angeles. Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors, they didn't care. They swooped on in and traded for him. I don't see it happening. It's not like Kawhi Leonard's situation where Kawhi was under contract for one more year. One more year. Lillard has four more years. If Lillard wanted to play for a bad team, and that's what the Raptors are. They won 41 games here. They are not good. And they would not be a title contender with Lillard. Now, if you just dropped Lillard on that team, yeah, they'd probably be really good. But you're going to have to trade one of your big pieces. Maybe it's Ananobi, maybe it's Siakam, whatever. Toronto is not going to be good after trading for Lillard. If Lillard wanted to play for a bad team, he'd stay in Portland. He loves Portland. Loves the city. If he wanted to play for a bad team, would he want to play for Portland? or any other team. He want to play for Portland. He wants out of Portland because he wants to play for a good team, and specifically Miami. If he wanted to play for a bad team, he wouldn't request a trade. So why would you believe that he won't request another trade 
once he gets to Toronto. And I'm not even talking about right away when he gets there. He's under contract four more years. And then all of a sudden, like, you're walking on eggshells every single year now if you're Toronto, where it becomes, is today that we lost last night? Is today the day Damian Lillard requests a trade? We lost last night. Is today the day that Damian Lillard requests a trade? They're not going to be good. It's a massive gamble for Toronto, hoping that for four years, he doesn't request another trade when your team is not going to be good. And his value goes down every year. So it's not like, all right, if he requests a trade, then we'll move him. He's, he's not young, and he's owed a lot of money. I do not believe it's a gamble that Toronto is willing to take. He is not being traded to the Raptors. He is being traded to the Miami Heat, and I can't wait for the reaction and all of the spin zone from these dopey dudes in Portland and these dopey dudes in Boston and all the other media out there who is poo-pooing the offer that the Miami Heat are making and how the Blazers have no interest in working with them. He is absolutely going to wind up with the Miami Heat. 100%. All right, guys, you know fall is here, all right? And what does that mean? Well, that means the annual fall sale at Sheets and Giggles. It is here. It is raring and ready to go. You guys know I get the best sleep of my life now ever since I started using Sheets and Giggles. Sheets and Giggles, OG sponsor of Zaslow Show 2.0. And for about the last six months, five, six months since they joined on board, not only is the founder and CEO Colin, that's my good friend now, but also because he has afforded me the best sleep of my life. Actually, all four of us here in the Zaslow Mansion. And that's because with Sheets and Giggles, not only are we talking about a company that cares about the environment. I mean, the sheets are made with sustainable eucalyptus sheets, but we're talking about the most breathable, softest, coolest sheets you've ever slept on in your life. You're going to go to SheetsGiggles.com and you're going to become one of over 100,000 Americans, just like the Zaslow family, that are sleeping on Sheets and Giggles and never turning back. SheetsGiggles.com, the annual fall sale is back and that means pumpkin spice, pumpkin spice, more pumpkin spice. It also means that Sheets and Giggles is having their annual Sheets and Giggles fall sale and you can save 25% off eucalyptus bedding, and that includes their highly cozy and breathable eucalyptus flannel. That's right. Get the best sleep of your life with their irresistibly soft eucalyptus lyocell sheets, a unique satin weave. Their sheets are not only soft, but also breathable. You can sleep cool and comfortable all night long. That's right. Annual fall sale. You can get 25% off. Go to SheetsGiggles.com. Again, SheetsGiggles.com. Let's get to big deal or not a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. First up here. All right. This is lousy news. So you guys know I love the show Heels. My man Robbie Ramos. Miami guy, he's one of the stars on the show. We've had him on Zaslow Show 2.0 before. Huge Miami sports fan as well. He's a uh, uh, Diego Cottonmouth he plays on the show. Great guy, great character. Heels, one of my favorite shows on television, just finished their second season, and it was just canceled by stars. Now, I don't know if this has anything to do with writer's strike, money, that kind of deal. This is a fantastic show. And I'm not just saying that because I love pro wrestling. It is a great show. It is criminal 
that Stars has canceled deals. I will be canceling Stars. It's the only reason I have deals. So Stars, you're fired. Heels being canceled by Stars, that's a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. So, like I said, there was a whole big to-do made about Taylor Swift in the Chiefs suite, rooted for Travis Kelsey, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. I mean, that's my God. And on Mad Dog Radio yesterday, Sirius XM, here's Russo. He doesn't care about Taylor Swift. A little bit later on, I'm going to lead with college football today. I'm not into Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, so try somebody else for that. I, I could care less. I don't care if uh, uh, I, I, I don't care if Taylor Swift's nude in the box. I'm not that interested. I'm sorry, I could care less uh, against the Bears. Uh, that that I can't that I can't buy. Uh, I'm more wrapped up in what the Bears are up to, and they stink than I am about that. But anyway, regardless, as we tr- move the program along, yeah, I'm going not a big deal. I, look, look, dog doesn't have to care about Taylor Swift. That's not a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. How about the Florida Panthers? Your favorite little hockey team. They are back. That's right. The Panthers preseason started yesterday. They had a doubleheader at, it's not called FLA Live Arena anymore. It's now Amaranth Bank Arena. They had a doubleheader there. The Panthers took that ass twice against the Nashville Predators. They beat the Predators 5-0, and then they beat them 5-2. Dmitry Kulikov, he's back. New defenseman, same as the old defenseman. He had a pair of goals in the second game. How about Mackie Samuskevich? He had a pair of goals in the first game. So excellent job there by the Panthers. Spencer Knight looked great. Panthers preseason underway, already 2-0. That's a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. So Joe Namath, all-time great New York Jet, most beloved New York Jet. I mean, that franchise sucks balls. But anyway, Joe, ne- Joe Namath. He was on the Michael K show yesterday with Michael K, of course, and Don LaGreca, our pal Peter Rosenberg, who looked like he was not with them yesterday. But here is Joe Namath being asked about what he would do with Zach Wilson. What would you, if you, if somebody handed you Zach Wilson and said, okay, Joe, make him better, what would you do? Send him to Kansas City to back up against somebody like Mahomes, maybe and learn something. I wouldn't keep him. You know, I've seen enough of Zach Wilson, all right? I've seen enough. Has quick feet, can throw a little bit, but I don't believe what's going on up there. All right, I'm, I'm going I'm going not a big deal. Like, it sucks if you're Zach Wilson, that Joe Namath is speaking about you that way. But this is not a big deal because the Jets and Robert Sala already came out. They're not doing anything. They're sticking with Zach Wilson, which, like I said, is crazy. Joe Namath, like, it doesn't matter if Joe Namath thinks they should keep or not keep Zach Wilson. It doesn't hold any water. I mean, Jet fan loves him, but obviously everybody agrees with Namath. It doesn't matter, though, because Robert Sala said they're not doing anything. So it's not a big deal. And finally, big deal or not a big deal, we got the final week of the Major League Baseball season. Begins tonight. The Marlins. Three in New York against the Mets. And then this weekend, three in Pittsburgh. The Marlins go into the final week and the final six games. One game back of both the second and third wildcard spots. So they got a chance at both of those. They are a game back of both Arizona and Chicago. I'm not sure what the tiebreak situation is. I think the Marlins have the tiebreak against both those teams. You got to figure the Marlins have to go at least four and two. And it doesn't matter. I guess you could sweep one of the teams and only win one against the other. It really doesn't matter. You're going to have to go four and two. 
and one of those teams go three and three that are ahead of you. I can't see a scenario where you can go anything less than four and two, but the Marlins, very meaningful games each of the next six nights, starting with tonight, Braxton Garrett on the hill at the New York Mets. That's a big deal. And that right there is another addition. A big deal or not a big deal. Yes. All right. I feel like we accomplished a lot today. Excellent job. Make sure you like, you rate, you comment, you do all that fun stuff. I appreciate it. I'm sorry I wasn't with you guys yesterday. Yom Kippur. I mean, that's, that's like our Super Bowl, us Jews. You know, I, I had to do it. All right. Hey, thanks everybody who helped put together a great show today. I can never do it without your help. And thanks, of course, to everybody for listening. I love you long time. Today's show brought to us by Bet Online. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Zaslow Show 2.0. Know what that means. Ah, the show is over. What better time now than to go out back with a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. That's right. That's what I look forward to after every show. And now my day's work is done. I got a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul. I'm going to sit outside by the pool here at the Zaslow Mansion and just enjoy the rest of my day. Having a Johnny Cuba makes me feel like I'm right back in the Caribbean. We're talking a refreshing German lager in a can. You can get it anywhere. Sedano's, Presidente, Winn-Dixie. And right now, you got special holiday prices on six-packs of Johnny Cuba. Make sure you pick up your Johnny Cuba merch as well. We got the hot sauce coming up. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo because more is always brewing.